0: Welcome to Clear Headed, I'm so happy you're here, it's very LA of me, but I want to start every episode with one big deep breath, so if you're out running errands, or you're sipping your first cup of coffee or tea in the morning, or maybe you're winding down for bed, I want you to join in, so breathe in, and breathe out. Okay, let's get clear-headed. Aesthetically pleasing. Is that how you live your life? It's how I live mine. It's how Sarah lives hers, and it's how our guest lives theirs. Lauren Yerasic is a celebrity makeup artist who I sit down with and talk all things appearance based we jump all over in this episode discussing makeup only fans and how much her career has pivoted from one appearance based thing to the next we delve deeper into her newest endeavor sensory drip which is an all-encompassing interior design, photography and just making things look good <laughs> i don't know how else to describe it i'll leave it to you To label this conversation as you see fit. Here's loving the look of life. I met you through makeup. Yeah. You helped me look really pretty for a really fun event. It was really difficult. It was so hard. Oh my God. I'm (laughs) like a lot to work with, but, um, but you're so talented. You have such a good eye aesthetically and You've had many different kinds of aesthetic careers. Let's walk through them. So first, would you say the first one was makeup?
1: Yeah, I definitely was in high school being like, I want to be a makeup artist. I want to move to New York and started working at like 19, probably doing makeup.
0: At like a Mac counter or what what was the job like? Well, I was working for Apple in retail. And then I
1: was just doing makeup on the side. And I went to an actual makeup trade school right when I moved to New York. And then, yeah, and then I worked at a Mac counter, uh, which is, I feel like, a
0: rite of passage. I do too. That's it. Yeah. That's something I hear a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you work with, you know, every different type of person, especially in New York. And then I started working at a NARS counter, which was like, oh my God, NARS. Like it was so hard to get a job at NARS. And then from there, I just went totally freelance.
0: What was the moment like when you decided to go freelance? It just happened
1: pretty organically I mean I think I pulled a lot of my clients that were from Mac like they would come in to get their makeup done in Mac like just started hiring me outside to like come to their apartment and then I actually started working for like an on-demand beauty service in New York cool so I was going into people's homes every day like multiple people a day you meet a lot of clients that way that was it and you're still doing makeup still doing makeup I think since then, I mean, there's a lot of steps in between and other things I was doing while I was doing makeup. Yes. I think I will always do makeup. I've just reached a point where my creativity has to overflow outside of makeup. Yeah, And I've kind of taken everything I've learned from being on set for years, just watching photographers work and everyone else stylist and hairstylists and you kind of take it all in. Yeah. And I think if you naturally have the creative eye, like I know what looks good. It's just achieving the technical knowledge to yeah.
0: get there. Right, the business and show business, which show business can mean many things. It's like, you know, what you're showing <laughs> with makeup, with photos, with all of it. There is a business side to it. And knowing what looks good when did you know that you knew like what was your first taste of success or do you remember when somebody was like I love that and you're like oh cool I know what's good
1: I have a very specific moment actually and it's hilarious and I think it was in middle school and I was taking a ceramics class and I laid out some like it was like a flat ceramic piece and it had like a it was almost like a painting but I did it with like ceramics or whatever and I like arranged these circles in whatever way i arranged these circles in and my teacher i just remember was like wow like why did you put them all like in that you know in that order or that pattern she was like you can't teach that and i never thought about any i never thought about that until like recently so you that just moment
0: you you heard wow you can't teach that and you knew that you had something within yourself that knew just knew like,
1: I definitely didn't know in my middle school days. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't think my confidence in design or aesthetic or whatever you want to call it came until, like, probably only a
0: few years ago. Really? When, when did that come about?
1: Well, I just, I, I guess I always viewed makeup as, like, you know, I've been doing it. I've been practicing because I wasn't good at makeup right out of the gate. Right. Um, right. No
0: one is good at what they start right. doing for the first time right when they start doing it.
1: Yeah. Unless you're like, you know, a child prodigy or whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think makeup I just viewed as like I've been doing this. I got better. And now I'm good at it, you know. Yeah yeah um but then it's not until you i started doing creative direction for like a few different companies and producing like an entire shoot you know it's everything from choosing the model and the location and the the whole vibe and everything and then getting feedback like on those where i realized like oh i can do this or even working with people that maybe i like say photographers that I respected but also I might see something that they don't see Mm -hmm. that's like very obvious to me. Yes. You know. Yeah. Or even just being on set with people I don't know Mm -hmm. and you're like on this huge set and this photographer or stylist or whatever is having some issue and you're just like in the back as a makeup artist and you know you don't really have any right to like say something but at least in my head I'm like well if they just did this yeah. then it would solve that problem <laughs> yes so I guess I just always wanted more control over whatever image was being created
0: leaning into that control because I relate to that I love control <laughs> I what's your sign I'm a Leo. Leo, do we get along? I think so. I don't know signs. I mean, um
1: in real life I think we <laughs> no, get along. We do. so, I don't know astrology stuff.
0: Okay. With wanting to control the image. So 2020 hit, obviously crazy time. Shoots stopped. I mean, temporarily, yeah. right? Yeah. Um is that when you leaned into OnlyFans?
1: Yeah, I got into only fans at the beginning of the pandemic like many people did
0: what was your moment for that
1: i think the moment was i need money yeah. <laughs> i yeah. really like was yeah i was doing all my makeup was i mean i didn't have a full-time job or a salary or anything you're a complete freelancer and then you know you literally have 20 jobs on your book. So then literally within the span of two days, everything's being canceled. A lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. I, you know, it was OnlyFans was like buzzing. Yeah. And I was like, let me just do it. Let me just see. Even when I joined, I didn't know what I was doing necessarily. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, let me back up. Like on my Instagram prior, I go out into nature. I camp a lot. I was taking like nude, artsy like nude photos in nature. Yeah. And then I was like, let me just post these on OnlyFans instead of giving them away for free. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my initial thing. Then I wasn't even comfortable like taking my top off on OnlyFans yeah Let, or like in front of a friend yeah really. really yeah and i don't necessarily know why i mean i think it's just the general like well it's preference you know and you think your body you know growing up especially as a woman you think your body has to look like the the standard for whatever your perfect body is but in porn specifically it's like a very specific yeah person Right. And then literally like a few days into being on OnlyFans, you get so much positive reinforcement from, you know, whatever you want to call.
0: Your fans. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But regardless, the positive reinforcement gives you a lot of confidence, especially when you're naked and you're yeah. like showing your body naked. I never did anything I was uncomfortable with. Yeah. I let it like just gradually happen. hmm And in that the first few months definitely was like just a crazy amount of body confidence that I would have never realized before. Just from like owning what you're putting out and like, of course, we know this and we talk about this, but everyone has bodies like there's nothing to be ashamed of yeah and the fact that i'm putting it out on my terms and again like going back to aesthetic or whatever like buying beautiful lingerie and like yeah. doing it however you want to do it and putting out just whatever you want people to see yeah um, it's not it's not someone else controlling what they're seeing yeah. you know so only fans was a major game changer in Body confidence for me.
0: Wow, that's so cool. I mean, I've heard, I don't know, I think there's two sides to this coin that is only fans. You think, oh my gosh, how ballsy must you be to like do that, to put your body out there for people to see? Right. I would assume you would have to start with a ton of confidence in order to do that, you know? And what I'm hearing from you is that it didn't start with a ton of confidence, but it ended with a ton of confidence because you got like validated
1: for what you were
0: comfortable with.
1: Well, I think confidence is relative because even before OnlyFans, I think you might or even I might say still like I have a a lot more confidence than some people but it's a spectrum of confidence right but i also like it also goes back to doing makeup i have probably done makeup on thousands of people and a large majority of people tell me their complaints about themselves so whether it's skin stuff or i gained weight or i have this pimple or you know whatever it is me hearing that from people and almost having to like reassure people that no you look great it's fine everyone calm down you're beautiful can we stop shaming ourselves because yeah. i hear women shame themselves nonstop. still i mean all the time and i just you know you can only be like anyone but yourself so there's literally no point in just like hating
0: yourself yeah <laughs> you know yeah that's interesting like you, as makeup artist and probably any other makeup artist, or really anyone who's like in close proximity to somebody at what society might deem somebody's most vulnerable, which is makeup free or getting sure. suited up on the on the makeup front. yeah, it's interesting that you have that perspective on. I've heard people's complaints about themselves. I've seen how unrealistic it is or Mm -hmm. how illogical it is. And so that then kind of applied to your own insecurities, like knowing that that maybe isn't true or you're the only one who sees it and see it and acknowledge it, but it's not really productive to harp on. Right. Wow. Cool. So there's also another part of your career that was dating and that came from <laughs> being in New York, right? Yeah, it's kind of a funny
1: story. This is actually, I was just got fired from Mac and I was on OkCupid okay pre-Tinder <sighs> and I got a message from one of like the site administrators and they were like, hey, we're doing a Valentine's Day article on like single dater or obviously whatever, single people in New York City. <laughs> And they were like, well, you meet up with this uh, journalist. And I was like, sure, whatever. So I'm 23 years old. I'm 30, 31 now. And I met up with this guy and he's like, so how does it feel to be the most messaged girl on (laughs) OkCupid? And I was just like, what are you talking about? You know, whatever. And, you know, long story short, the article came out, it blew up. I wound up getting a book deal. And then I just became like this girl that talked about dating for two years <laughs> and had a book. So yeah, I mean, I'm going back to confidence. That was like a major moment just because I got thrown into this new world that I knew nothing about. You know, yeah, I didn't even know how to, like I hadn't written an essay or anything since <laughs> high school. I didn't even go to college. And yeah, I just did it, and then that's that was also a moment when I realized the fake until you make it, right, in real life because nobody really knows what the fuck they're doing, right? <laughs> and yeah. you just have to like put one foot in front of the other and just do
0: it. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like everything that you've tried at, you've had success with. You know, I mean, with the book that was successful. I mean, dating was successful, right? Because it resulted in a book (laughs) called Popular, which the cover is really cute.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, well, you see the successes, but you don't see the failures. Right, that's fair. So, I mean, I have two failed podcasts. (laughs) Didn't try very hard at them, I have to admit. I definitely have a problem with the instant, Success, not getting it. If yeah. I don't get a lot of reassurance like kind of immediately, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll give up, you know. Right. But also I've realized I can't really do anything that I'm not genuinely passionate about. Yeah. Currently, my partner Lex and I started Sensory Drip, which is kind of an all-around creative studio where we're doing interior design, creative direction, photography, a lot of different stuff. The success comes for me when I'm actually passionate. Passionate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's more true to more people than we even realize. You know, it's just being able to see like, okay, I'm not passionate about this enough and that's why I don't want to get out of bed or that's why I hate going to work or that's why, you know, this, that, and the other. So being aware of it, I think, is really important and has probably helped you more fluidly pivot from one thing to the next
1: yeah definitely even with sensory drip it was very organic i just try to instead of getting overwhelmed by that imposter syndrome or failure like potential of failure or whatever yeah. i just you know make a list daily like, this is what i have to do today and that's it and like just keep going
0: yeah I take it it's in small doses yeah yeah well, that's exciting. I'm very excited. I love Sensory Drip. I think the aesthetic is just so cool and Great. very telling of who you are, which is like a little retro, very classy, timeless, but like trendy at the same time. Yeah, Very like something I haven't seen before, but something I feel like is going to stay.
1: Cool. Well, I love – I mean, that's – thank you. You're and welcome. Yeah. <laughs> we're really excited. You know, we we just wanted to do something that we – we love and we're inspired by and because Lex, also my partner, she did interior design previously mm-hmm. um, in a whole different capacity. But, you know, told me about, you know, doing projects that you're not invested in or even the style. It's not even your style. Yeah. And of course, that's part of um, interior design if you want it to be part of that. Right. But I think we've decided like we want to do what we want to do yeah and of course that still involves collaborating with your clients but you know someone's not going to hire us that may hire another company
0: right well i think it's like a fair point to say that i mean there's so many people on this planet and there's room for everybody and long gone are the days of trying to please everyone. I mean, there's somebody out there that will do like a muted color tone room if somebody wants it, you know? So why create a company that tries to encompass that? There's no point just have. And I think it's true for everything that you've done, right? Like have your point of view, stick to it, Mm -hmm. push through, lead with passion and the success will follow. And not trying to be a chameleon to what you think other people are going to like.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: When I was reading on your website that you and Lex met in 2020, right? So like very recently? Yeah, we just met. And how? what was your moment? Were you guys sitting having dinner and you looked at each other and went, we're going to start a company?
1: <laughs> well, let's bring it back to OnlyFans. Lex was also on OnlyFans cool. and we bonded over that. And funny enough, our first like, this was the second week we met or something. We were like, let's go to Palm Springs. And we go to Palm Springs and we spent like the whole weekend taking like OnlyFans photos. You know, our friendship blossomed. And then my other friend, Olivia, who I've also worked for in cannabis, a whole nother sector, but she was moving into a new apartment Wanted to des- design the apartment. Lex had already been doing interior design. And at this point, it was something I've always wanted to do. But I was like, I don't, again, like, I don't have any right doing something, whatever. So she was basically going to hire Lex. And then Lex and I were talking about it. And we were like, no, we should do this together. So we just naturally started doing it. And it just has, you know gone from there and then you you do the things you make the logo you make your llc you do you start checking stuff off the list the
0: business the business and, then, the business. and now right. we're very
1: serious business yes
0: you're very serious <laughs> extremely serious. you have briefcases and everything yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um well i love that you're just going for it and i'm happy to have you in my life as inspiration and i think it's just cool i can't wait to see where you end up and i think it's good to see how much you can do in one in one 5 year period you know of your life or 10 year period of your life
1: yeah and i think a lot of people well i think as a society we're kind of taught like what's your career mm-hmm. like what's your one thing that you do yeah. you know and I think it's a little different. You know, in LA, you hear people being like, oh, I do this and I do this and I do this. But then you might not take them seriously because you're like, well, what are you really doing? Like, are you just hustling? to like?" Right. Uh, which is also totally fine. Yeah. But I think we should collectively agree that you can be great at many things. Yeah. And you don't have to stick to one thing. And that's the other thing with sensory drip. I don't want people to be confused because we do all these things but um you know instead of just saying we're an interior design studio or we're photography um I just wanted it to be everything that our skills like that we already do yeah you know and I think just people should know that that's that's okay Yeah, yeah it is
0: I mean when you look at the uber uber successful people they aren't doing just one thing right. i look at p Diddy as yeah. you know his hands in a bunch of different pots or you look at martha stewart and she has her hands in a bunch of different pots or you look at kim kardashian and she has her hands in a bunch of different pots yeah you look at anybody who's super super successful and i think that that can happen at any level yeah you know always have your hands in a bunch of different pots and i agree i agree <laughs> well i'm s- gonna stay following sensory drip and get a little inspo thank sarah and you. i are redoing our apartment too trying to refresh and i'll come to you for advice
1: cool thank you well i'll come to you for advice too because
0: <laughs> we'll come yeah. to each other
1: yeah thanks for having me <laughs> yes.
0: what was your takeaway from this episode Leave it in the reviews and please make sure to follow us on both Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and subscribe on Spotify. Please remember, if you have a moment of clarity in your life, connect with us on the DMs and maybe we can have a conversation about it. Talk to you next week.